This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the razor safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up today to become an insider at GoHunt.com. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitments as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I hope that wherever you're at or wherever you're listening from that you are taking some time to enjoy some of this beautiful spring weather and getting outdoors and enjoying all that Mother Nature has to offer. Uh, This is the Average Conservationist Podcast and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Jake Alexander and Jake is the founder of newly 2% certified Rain Hydro and Rain Hydro is a water filtration um, company. Uh, they make a they make a product that um, is for uh, use in the backcountry. Uh, whether you're hunting, fishing, backpacking, uh, for high or for filtering your water. Uh, for any of you who have spent any amount of time in the backcountry, know how important um, good, clean, fresh water is um, to your trip. Uh, whether it's just purely for drinking or for making your meals, uh, whatever the case is, there's obviously a, a big importance on that. And I know that there's a, a lot of different options and methods out there um, for going about uh, filtering your water. Um, but Jake and the team at Hydro, uh, or excuse me, at Rain Hydro, um, you know, saw kind of a, an area um, with the water filtration that um, could be improved upon. And a lot of times for a lot of um, outdoorsmen and outdoors women, it can be kind of a, a pain in the butt um, to, to get your water to filter and do all that. So Jake and the team came up with um, a new way, uh, a much simpler and easier way to, to go about that while you're, um, while you're out in the field. So, you know, it's a really cool episode. Um, Jake gets to you know, take us down the path of what led him to to starting Rain Hydro and, and the 
you know, kind of going and cannonballing all in into this this new endeavor um, that he has. Uh, you know, Jake explains, you know, where his conservation mindset came from um, and why, you know, becoming 2% certified was so vital um, before the company and the brand uh, really even launched. Um, Jake has a, a very positive attitude, um, not only on life, but in the business world as well. And, you know, the mindset of, you know, one foot in front of the other and always, you know, keep your head down and working hard and good things will happen. So it's uh, Jake goes into a lot of detail about kind of the process of developing this new product, you know, where they're at um, in terms of being able to launch it to the masses. Um, they've recently launched a, a Kickstarter to help kind of put them over the edge um, so that they can get uh, this product into the hands of, of you guys, of the consumers. So episode 51, Jake Alexander, Rain Hydro. Uh, enjoy. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, I want to take a minute to tell you about our partners over at Wild Rivers Coffee. Um, as I've mentioned uh, on some previous episodes, I've known Sammy and Marshall since we've had them on the podcast um, a few months back and have been drinking their coffee ever since um, having them on. I think I ordered um, coffee probably that same day or the next day, and it's become a staple uh, in the Ewing household here. So um, at Wild Rivers Coffee, they're roasting in small batches so they can ensure that your coffee arrives at its peak freshness. Uh, Wild Rivers is also a proud partner uh, with 2% for Conservation. They believe in preserving wild places and wild things that bring, bring all of us so much joy. That's why everything that they sell, uh, a portion of proceeds are donated back to conservation organizations that are near and dear to them. So organizations like Trout Unlimited, uh, Ducks Unlimited, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Uh, if you go to wildriverscoffeeco.com, um, you can use the promo code FISH underscore wildlife, and that's all caps. So all caps, FISH underscore wildlife, and you're going to save 10% off your order. Um, not only do they have some some bomb coffee, they have some really cool merchandise. Uh, I have both of their shirts that they offer. They've got some really cool handmade mugs that are made, I believe, right there in Texas, uh, where Wild Rivers is located. Uh, also, a bunch of different accessories for grinding your coffee, um, for pour over, for all the good stuff. So any of you coffee aficionados out there, um, definitely be sure to give Wild Rivers Coffee a try. I promise you will not be disappointed. So again, you can check them out at wildriverscoffeeco.com. All right. With me today, I have the founder of 2% Certified Rain Hydro and my buddy, Jake Alexander. Jake, how's it going, man? Good, Marcus. Thanks for having me on. This is something I've been looking forward to for a while, and it's crazy that it's finally happening. I know. So to give the listeners kind of a bit of a background here, Jake, had you had reached out to me, oh gosh, was it like November, December of last year, something like that, I think, and basically you had kind of introduced yourself and your company, and you had some questions for me, um, like regarding 2% and the podcast and just a few other things. And, you know, we kind of always knew that we were going to get a chance to, to sit down and record something. And, uh, yeah, I'm just glad that we're finally able to, to make this happen. Yeah, it's been a journey to get here, but uh, had a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah. Well, all right, man, let's let's kind of jump right into it here. So tell me what exactly is Rain Hydro? So Rain Hydro, <laughs> you know, we are the backcountry hydration solution. That's our cliche uh headline but um 
it's really about more than that. You know, it's uh, something that I've poured a lot of my time and effort into and is uh, something that I've really invested myself into. So I've always wanted to start my own business. Um, and they say, you know, you got to find the intersection of what you're passionate about and your skill set. And it was never very clear to me what that was. But uh, a couple years ago, you know, I've always been a lifelong hunter in Pennsylvania here. And, you know, we might branch out a little bit, but it's been mostly the local scene for all of my life with my family and friends. But a couple years ago, we went out west and started getting into some of that type of hunting. And it really bit me. And it's been something I've been passionate about ever since. And it's also a big time commitment. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's. It's a big thing to get involved with. So, you know, that kind of helped me figure out what my passion was. But then, you know, there's the other piece of skill set. And, uh, you know, I, I like gear. I'm kind of a gearhead in some ways. There's certain things that strike my interest, and then I've got to figure it out. And yeah. water filtration for me in the background here was one of those because, you know, there's really no it's interesting to research the topic because there's a lot of strong opinions out there and I think it kind of boils down to different situations call for different tools basically but all that to say I felt that there was an unmet need in that market for people that were relying on these things and uh, everybody kind of made do with what was available that was the impression that I was getting and I sort of felt the same way so you know, I've worked in manufacturing since uh, getting out of college, and I had some experience with doing different types of projects in that capacity. So at the same time, I was trying to buy a piece of property that my wife and I were intending to build a house on, and that all fell through. So I had some capital available at the same time, and it was really just an intersection of the opportunity and the right mindset, and I decided to go for it. So. You know, I started out just doing a lot of research on what was out there already and how it worked and, uh, you know, familiarizing myself with the landscape, if you will, and then uh, did some direct surveys with hunters and anglers and people that I knew had used those products, and I found that, you know, they were saying a lot of the same things I was thinking, so that's what gave me the confidence I needed to actually commit to this full time, and I quit my job in October and uh, had a lot of fun. <laughs> I did a big road trip and hunted uh, my ass off most of November and then got super serious about the product development in November after I had some of the you know, boring business stuff out of the way. Yeah. And I've been working on it ever since. So it's been, it's been a fun journey. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fortuitous how things work out where you, know, your wife, you and your wife had the plan of, okay, we're going to you know, save some money, we're going to buy some property, build a home, all that stuff. And then, like you said, it falls through. And then you're like, well, I know we have all this money kind of earmarked for, you know, a big investment in our future with land and a home. And since that didn't work out, I'm going to go ahead and start a business now, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to take a big risk here and uh, yeah. we're going to see if we can make something out of this. My wife is a saint. She <laughs> has supported me from day one and it's been inspiring to you know, have that person to fall back on when things get hard. So I really just shout out to her. It's been really good for us. Yeah. Shout out to all the, the spouses out there, husbands and wives who, 
you know, are, are super supportive of, of guys like you and I who, you know, decide they want to invest, you know, some serious money into starting their own, their own business, their own opportunities, kind of create and pave their own way uh, for the future. Because, yeah, it, it, it's a big risk. But I think a lot of times, you know, whether it's a husband or a wife, you know, they hear their significant other talk about the passion that they have for whatever it is, whatever type of business it is that they want to start. And, you know, it's, it's super cool to see, um, you know, that support work out across kind of all spectrums. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of the, the unsung heroes and the behind the scenes, um, people that make all this tick, whether it's, you know, making sure you have the time, um, the, the, the capital, whatever it is to, to make sure that you're able to kind of see your dream come to fruition. Yeah. And, you know, at, at, at the beginning of this, I was working full time and also trying to put as much into that as I could. And, I was burned out. Like she could yeah. see that. And, uh, yeah, again, just thankful for that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's one of those things where I, I, I've appreciated the motivation of focusing on this solely. You know what I mean? It makes it very more real. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. When you wake up in the morning, you don't necessarily have a, a, a job to go to, but you know, you still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, it's a different type of commitment. And, um, yeah, it's it's not one that's tough to get motivated for, but it's it's certainly uh, has its its difficulties, right? Yeah, and in uh, in hindsight, maybe it <laughs> you know it's, it's been it's, I wrote a check and now you have to cash it, and it's been uh, it's been a real challenge. So yeah, yeah life's crazy, man. You just got to keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Truer words have not been spoken. So you said that where you got the idea was, or, you know, to, to, when you're starting your own business, you want to kind of find that intersection between passion and your skill set. So I'm assuming that, you know, your passion isn't necessarily water filtration, um, so to speak, but it's, you know, it's the outdoors, it's, it's hunting, it's fishing. It's just, it's, it's that lifestyle. Right. And, you know, finding something kind of within that, um, that realm that you can kind of, you find a need for, or you find something that can be improved upon. And that's kind of where the idea comes from. So how was it that you kind of landed on, um, you know, water filtration, uh, I guess. And was it just as you were spending some time out West or, or even there in Pennsylvania, was it one of those things that just kind of like, was this nagging problem for you or, or how did that kind of all snowball? Yeah, it's, it was really a continuation of, you know, early on, I hadn't really formulated my thoughts around what was going on. I just was trying to make my pack lighter. I was trying to make sure I was using gear that I could really depend on when I was in the backcountry because, you know, that's that's your lifeline when you're right. out there. And, uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't really a fully formed thought, but I, one of the things that I was tinkering with was my water filtration setup. Um you know, I had tried the bags, I tried the gravity filters, I had a pump, um, and it just felt like everything that I was sort of experimenting with had pros and cons, and, you know, there's aspects of, when you're developing a product, you know, you have targets to meet, and I felt like the targets that they were striving towards weren't really aligned with my goals, because okay. some of the things that were uh, more effective were also very heavy, and that was kind of the main trade-off that I had observed. 
And then, uh, you know, the the aspect of, like, convenience. Some of the stuff can be cumbersome to use. And, uh, you know, all everything I tried, I just thought, like, this isn't, this isn't as good as it could be. Right. There's, there's changes. There's room for improvement. So, um, yeah, I just kind of approached it with that mindset, and it was a slow and steady evolution to me sitting around uh, last September, or sorry, two Septembers ago, saying, hey, guys, like, what do you think about what you're using for water filters? Because it was me and my two buddies that were out, out west, and uh, kind of the same opinions, like, it sucks. It's chore, you know. <laughs> uh, it's one of those necessary evils where I think, you know, if it could be easier, that'd be great. Or if it could be something that I don't feel the need to carry redundant systems with, that'd right. be great. Because, you know, if you go out there with a single filter, you're putting a lot of eggs in that basket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we had kind of worked through some of those issues, and that led me eventually to work some of that thought process into a survey that I'd shared mostly online and I got some qualitative feedback from a lot of people that I you know respect their opinions and know that they've been in situations where they're relying on this type of tool so all that factored into the you know the project that was developing the product eventually when I started getting serious about it in November so yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, it's an interesting kind of path because I feel like, you know, the more I start to understood or understand, you know, rain and, and what you were trying to develop. I mean, while I've not spent any time in the backcountry uh, on those types of hunts, like I've listened to enough podcasts and, and talked to enough people to to know obviously how important you know your water filtration system is and. I've also, again, listened to enough people talk about like that's one of the things that they just they're never satisfied with, right? I mean, you can really like fine tune whether it's your your rifle or your bow, your your tent, you know, your food because obviously that's another you know vital part of of being in the backcountry. Uh, but yeah, the the one kind of common denominator with a lot of people was like, yeah, my water filtration like it works, but like you said, it's cumbersome, it's a pain in the ass. There's just there was always it seemed to be more negative things about it than positive, um, and with something so important, I mean, you would like that to almost not really be or kind of you shouldn't have to put so much emphasis on it in terms of making sure that it's going to work time and time again, that it's going to be or that it's not going to be super difficult to use, and like you said, looking at it as kind of like a chore, right? You want it to be something simple lightweight easy to use and it sounds like that's kind of what you've what you've developed yeah i kind of went down the rabbit hole that i'm sure other people have done in the past of like you know to to really if i'm going to rely on something i want to understand it yeah yeah <laughs> and uh you know that that has just been a continuation from there i talked to early early on i talked to um other you know We'd now consider them competitors, I suppose. And I found that disconnect to be real. Like, they weren't doing the same types of things that I was doing with these products. And, uh, you know, that was just another thing that was encouraging to me to say, you know, this really is something that somebody can step into and help everybody out. Yeah. So what was the process like? Um, designing it and then actually, you know, building your device. 
So I underestimated the task of <laughs> building this product. I will say that it's been a challenge and a very rewarding challenge. I so I worked for a bigger company in manufacturing prior to this and I had a pretty good understanding of what steps needed to be taken. But what I had done and hindsight's 2020, you know, these are just lessons learned. I had taken for granted the people around me, you know, the skilled tradesmen and uh, people with strong opinions that were willing to share them, uh, solicited or otherwise, <laughs> when you're at work. So, um, yeah, all that to say, it's taken me longer than I expected because each step of the way I've had to figure out how to balance my budget with what I'm capable of producing while at the same time moving forward as quickly as possible because uh, you know that's a startup you've got some serious deadlines and commitments and you have to yeah. maintain those if you're ever going to be successful so that's my main uh, my main lesson for anybody that might be listening this thinking they're gonna burn it all and start a company. <laughs> Make sure you understand <laughs> the support network around you before you take the plunge. And uh, thankfully, I was able to maintain some of those relationships. And these guys helped me out. Like, I've got a huge network of people behind the scenes that have been contributing to this. And I'm super thankful. But uh, at the end of the day, every decision kind of falls onto me. And they're just, you know providing their educated inputs and right. you have to decide what the next move is. Yeah. It, yeah. It's amazing when you're in, you know, kind of one line of work, for example, um, you know, like you said, you were kind of, you'd worked in manufacturing and at the time you don't necessarily think about all of the kind of wisdom or insight knowledge that a lot of these people have. And how it can translate into, you know, what you might be thinking about doing or how it can translate into what you decide to do, you know, after after that. And a lot of times, you know, even though like let's say from a manufacturing standpoint, right? I mean, what you may have been doing before compared to now may be apples and oranges, but a lot of the same techniques and processes, like a lot of those still apply. It's just in to a different product, right? Right, right. It's a not to get too philosophical, but it's a methodology that yeah. can be applied to different tasks or goals, if you will. Yeah. Oh, so not. To, it sounds like corporate propaganda, but <laughs> uh, you know, you take some of that stuff to heart when you're really working on a project that is your own. Yeah. So, what are what have been some of the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome to kind of get the the device to to where it was at, like in its inception in its early phases, to where it's at now? Yeah, so I'm going to be completely candid here. One of the biggest challenges that I've faced so far is the uh, quality and safety testing. Um, you know, early on we spec'd out the material that was the active ingredient of this filter um, and uh, figured out what the housing should look like. And, you know, that was early on in the stages where it was more of a design process than an engineering process. And, uh, we were able to, like I said, spec out the material, test some samples, verify that they in fact do what we claim they do, and we moved forward from there. Then when it came time to build an actual 
prototype model that was form and function exactly the same as a final product. We found some constraints with that manufacturing process. So the filter housings were being 3D printed because the geometry was just too complex to actually machine without just going forward and building an actual mold. Right. So that's been a limitation for me because I can't actually pump water through the pump and show definitively before and after testing that the product is entirely done. Okay. So that's been a conversation I've had with myself and my partners around, is this the right time to release the product? And we have the reassurances and we have the, you know, we understand what's going on. It took us a long time to get there because, you know, originally we had budgeted for confirming tests to say that, okay, now that the filter's in its legitimate housing, it's as effective as it was in prototype phase, but, you know, we can't, <laughs> that's a nuanced thing that is uh, something that you have to work through as a business owner, and it's important to be upfront with people and say, you know, we had a lot of conversations and did a lot of testing to verify that, you know, we could make the commitments that we were putting ourselves forward to, and uh, all that kind of leads into what I'd like to talk about quickly is our Kickstarter coming up yeah. on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, you know, we've we've taken this thing as far as we can run with it, and we're looking for help from everybody else that is listening to this and it resonates with. Uh, we'll be live on Kickstarter with the Rain Hydro system. You know, I'll talk briefly about what that is in a minute, but. Um, you know, we want to support conservation and we want to bring everybody the best tool for the job. So we're kind of spent on our end. Yeah. <laughs> we need The biggest thing is uh, verification that there really is a, a need for this product. Um, you know, you can do surveys and talk to people all you want, but nothing's going to indicate that it's the right thing other than people actually buying it and using it and that's where we need to move forward so Kickstarter's the first way that we're trying to bring it to the market and gauge interest so even if you don't want to buy it on Kickstarter shoot me a message I'll love to talk about it with you and uh, you know feedback is exactly what we need right now so yeah that's where we're at so it sounds like you guys are kind of Right at at almost like the precipice at at the peak um, in, in terms of finalizing the 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 housing, uh, I guess with with the um, the filtration. Um, uh, that's what I'm looking for here. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Sorry, um, but it, yeah. So it sounds like you guys are, are very close, and like this this Kickstarter will kind of help push things to the finish line. Is that right? Right. We have we have a f better understanding now of what it's going to take to actually get this thing in people's hands, and the Kickstarter goal reflects that. So we feel confident that with success on Kickstarter, we can be up and running, and most, <laughs> I don't want to say most importantly, but it's uh, been a goal of mine to do this without external financial support right so um you know i know that the hunting and fishing community exists and i know that uh it's a lot of good guys out there and i think if what we've done so far is what people are looking for and the product speaks for itself we can make this thing happen and if it's unsuccessful then that's just uh indication that 
you know, we've got some more work to do. So yeah. That's how I'm approaching this. It's been, uh, you know, it's always been true, but I've never felt it more than since I've started this project. Um, you just got to keep moving forward. Yeah. There's no failures, just setbacks unless you quit, and that's when it's over. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a very good way to put it. And I know a lot of times, especially when when you're investing a lot of your own capital um, into something, and, you know, both physically, mentally, financially, all of that, there's there comes a lot of kind of make or break points in time where you have to, you know, look in the mirror and give yourself a bit of a pep talk, right, and say, you know, this this isn't the end all be all. Um, you know, we just, you know what you need to do and you just got to, like you said, kind of put one foot in front of the other and keep working and, and not quit because I mean, that's true. in you know, basically every aspect of life, right. And, and probably no, no, no more so than in, in starting your own business. Yeah. And I think the same is true for hunting. You know, I had, <laughs> it's crazy because I had the hardest season ever this year for Pennsylvania whitetail. Like I hunted more than I ever have because I had, you know, more flexibility with my schedule and, uh, just couldn't make it happen. Like I've, you know, <laughs> you just got to take your lumps and move on that, you know, stuff doesn't come into range or it's not legal or, you know, name any of the above. You just got to keep getting out there. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, can't kill them from the couch, right? No, you can't, uh, <laughs> You can't start a business if you never talk about it. Yeah, well, and that's that's it. Kind of reminds me of like when I when I started the average conservationist is. I had you know this idea, um, and I talked about it a lot with you know my wife and then with some family and friends and stuff like that. And you know I I don't know if they were just kind of giving me lip service like oh yeah that that that'd be cool like that's a great idea you want to support conservation yeah you know we know how much you love to hunt and and fish and things like that. And, you know, how much of it they were just saying and how much of it they actually believed in. Right. And then, you know, you kind of get to this point and it's almost, you know, this this come to Jesus moment where it's like, OK, either I'm going to, you know, go all in. I'm going to pursue this or, you know, five years from now, it's just going to be like this idea that I had. Right. This would have, could have, should have, what if scenario. And it takes a lot of guts to, you know, kind of put yourself out there, especially you know, in, in, in my case, and in your case, you know, where you're the name, you're the face, you know, the, the company is you, you are the company. So anything that you're going to put out, you know, it's not just a reflection of, you know, Rain Hydro, it's Jake Alexander, right? It's, there's, there's so much more that you kind of feel in terms of, you know, pride and wanting to make sure that it's this best product that you can put out there. Because at the end of the day, you know, someone may say, oh, Rain Hydro, like I used it and maybe they didn't have a great experience or they had, or they did have a great experience. Either way, you know, they can kind of tie that back to, you know, Jake and, you know, how you may have helped them along, you know, questions that you may have answered, you know, customer service, anything like that. And yeah, it's just this, it's so much more than just, you know, business. It's, it's, you know, like your kind of reputation as, as an individual, you know. Right, and it, it can even become self-conscious about it to a point mm -hmm. where you know, it's the manifestation of a lot of time and effort that you've put into it, and then, you know you have reassurances along the way. But like I said, the Kickstarter for me is going to be the first major milestone as far as gauging interest in a real way. So 
I'm interested to see how that shakes out. And, uh, you know, even if, even if it doesn't work, it's been, it's been a lot of fun kind of figuring this thing out and it's put me outside my comfort zone, even just to reach out to you. Like it might not sound like a big deal, but <laughs> it's just different, you know? Yeah. It's not something I would do in my day to day. Yeah. Asking, asking for, you know, kind of just, just, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to say help. Uh, like when you reached out to me, but just reaching out to try to pick someone's brain or just ask some questions who may have, you know, just this little bit more experience in one particular area that you can draw from. Yeah, I, I, I almost think that's like, it's like, it's kind of in the male DNA to not necessarily want to kind of ask for help. I mean, I, I look at like, like the generation of like our parents, right? And, you know, like I think about my dad and how he, you know, when you get sick or something was wrong, like, oh, I'm not going to the doctor, like tough it out. And, and that's, it's almost like that same mentality, right? Like you, you kind of want to like figure things out on your own. And, and if you can't right away, like, you know, damn it, I'll, I'll figure out some way how to get the right answer, get to where I need to go. And so, yeah, that can be, it can be tough to, to reach out to people, but you know, what I've, what I've found, and I'm sure you found it as well is, you know, the more you reach out to people, the more they're willing to, you know, offer any type of insight, advice, uh, opinions, um, you know, anything to try to help you out because, you know, nine times out of 10, they were in the same situation that you are, you know, at some point in their career. Right. I mean, I, I just tell myself everybody starts somewhere and as long as you keep moving forward, that's all that matters. And, uh, everybody I've talked to so far has been super encouraging and helpful and it's been nice to you know, be on the receiving end of that. I'll yeah. Say. Yeah. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. That's what I, I like to try to tell myself as much as I can. Yeah. So what is the goal for your Kickstarter? So the goal of the Kickstarter is to cover the capital we need to actually put these things into production and then also obviously cover some of the costs for the products themselves that will go to people. So anybody that supports us on Kickstarter will get the final product um, like I said, there's just financial hurdles that we have to sure. <laughs> overcome to get there because frankly, manufacturing is not cheap and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a challenge. That's our challenge. It's our number one challenge right now. Yeah. Um, and also the, the Kickstarter will enable us to afford the testing and, you know, certification necessary to make sure that this is a healthy product for everybody to use. You know, we have plenty of reassurances that that is the case but I'm very pragmatic about everything so I'm not going to be uh, yeah. you know totally cool with it until I hold it in my hand and I have the, the paperwork to prove exactly what it is so yeah, those are the major challenges for us and support on Kickstarter will help us overcome those yeah so <clears throat> this episode I know we're recording it a little early and that was one of the things that you and I had been talking about over the past couple of months was when we recorded this, wanting to make sure it's as close to, you know, when you're going to launch, or in this case, when the Kickstarter goes live. So this is airing on uh, Thursday, May twentieth. Yes, uh, and your Kickstarter starts on the eighteenth, correct? So it'll be a couple days prior to this actually going live. Right. Yeah. So by the time this is heard should be able to go to rainhydro.com and follow the link to Kickstarter or uh, follow Rain Hydro on Instagram, Facebook. You know, we're still 
still developing our social media presence. And I will say that I'm not a graphic artist by any means. So if you see any, <laughs> you see any content out by us, just know that Jake made that and uh, he can't draw. <laughs> Social media is yeah. Social media is one of those things that I I know it's 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 vital, especially to to new companies and getting the the message and the product out to the outdoors. But man, I'm terrible at it. Like I try to do it as much as I can, and like I'll even you know write myself like notes like okay, like post something today, right? Because maybe it's been a week since I've posted something, and it's like you just you need to kind of stay in front of people. But it it, it can be difficult, and you know coming up with necessarily you know, pertinent content and, and content that you think that your followers um, or your customers are going to enjoy can can sometimes be a battle in and of itself. Yeah, it's it's easy to overthink it. I just throw stuff up on there as it comes by and, you know, share. I like to share my life, but then when you start thinking about, like, <laughs> what rain should post, I mean, there's the truth is water filters aren't overly sexy and, yeah. <laughs> you know. I have, so, uh, a, I have a podcast about conservation, man. You're preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs> yeah. But we all, you know, some of us use them and rely on them. So it's a, yeah. it's a necessary function. Yeah. So I kind of want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, obviously, one of the reasons that we're able to sit down and, and learn more about Rain Hydro. And that's, um, you know, 2% for conservation. Uh, Rain Hydro is a 2% certified business and you guys um, obviously have made the commitment prior to even launching. So how was it that you first learned about 2%? So, yeah, so conservation's always been something that's important to me. And as I've gotten older, it's been easier to define exactly what that is. And, you know, it's uh, been a journey for me to be where I'm at today. But, um, I was a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and I was, uh, you know, receiving a lot of the emails from them, and uh, that's when I really started to understand what conservation meant in different contexts. So, um, you know, and then I like to support brands that also support conservation when I can, and it just so happens that I think a lot of those brands tend to make the best gear, too, because, you know, they're out there doing it. Yeah. And that, that was something that's always just been a truth for me for several years now. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that intersection of passion and ability. You know, I had a passion to support conservation, and I didn't know exactly what the best way to do that was. You know, I, I'm kind of a, a loner in some ways, so the idea of going out and volunteering to do cleanups and things scared me. Yeah. Uh, I've since gotten over that, you know, I did my first cleanup uh, about two weeks ago and it was actually a lot of fun and I look forward to continuing to do it because there's that time commitment that 2% sure. has, you know, 1% of your time and 1% of your revenue. But uh, all that to say, I was involved with BHA, kind of behind, you know, lurking, if you will, getting the emails, emailing senators when something came across that I had the ability to impact and you know, supporting things in that way. And then when I, you know, had this idea for the business, it seemed like a no-brainer that if you're going to make a product that people use while being on public lands and, you know, hunting public animals, essentially, yeah, 
you know, you need to give back to make sure that that's available for the next round to come through. You know, I hope someday my kids can go out and hunt elk just the same way I do. So that's uh, something that I realize people advocate for and, you know, it's not guaranteed by any means. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I <clears throat> I really like about a lot of these, the companies that, you know, are 2% certified that kind of operate directly in the outdoor space is that, you know, they're, they're making a product or yeah, they're, they're making a, they're offering a product or a service that's directly tied to, you know, kind of taking from the land in terms of, you know, hunting, let's say, you know, as, as kind of a prime example. And for those, you know, companies or, or individuals like yourself who see the importance of making sure that there's this longevity um, to be able to continue to continue to you know hunt and, and recreate in outdoor spaces is, is vital because you know I had a guest on last week who was you know talking about you know why conservation was so important to you know not only him but his company was that you know he looks at where he grew up whitetail hunting uh, in Ontario and you know that that area just it isn't there anymore whether it's been I can't remember if he said it was you know just developed on or what the case was, but you know, he couldn't go back to the same place he went as a child to, to try to hunt. And I think, you know, that's, it's so important to make sure that, you know, you do all, we, you know, we as business owners are doing all that we can to make sure that those places are available, you know, now 50 years from now, a hundred years from now. So, you know, generations to come have that same, you know, are afforded that same access. Right. It's a lot easier to keep what we have versus trying to build it back. So, yeah, we're not going to come up with new land, um, yeah. you know, so we've got to take care of, of what we have. Exactly. So what are some of the organizations that you're uh, going to be giving back to? So I would definitely like to support BHA financially. Um, frankly, I haven't been able to do that because we've been <laughs> yeah. spending more money than we're making so far, but uh, that's definitely on the list. Um, I've, you know, developed some relationships there and I hope to continue to do that going forward and figure out exactly what the best way we can do to support the local Pennsylvania chapter would be. Um, and I've had some discussions with the RMEF. Um, that's less clearly defined right now, yeah. but um, you know, I, I feel there's some causes that they support that are aligned with my values. So I'd like to figure out what that looks like going forward. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I found too is when when you first kind of get into the space, especially with two percent and with giving back, is you almost feel like this pressure of of trying to become a member or get involved in every single conservation organization out there because you feel like if you don't, then you know you're not as good of a conservationist as the next person or, or something like that. Or some of these people that we see that you know have been very fortunate to to make a career out of conservation in the outdoors and things like that. Um, but as I've kind of gone on, what I've realized is, you know, just finding things that are, are important to you. So like you said, RMEF, you know, if, if you're spending a lot of time elk hunting, um, uh, even though you're in Pennsylvania, you know, you're going out West, um, that's something that, you know, you really enjoy doing, you know, obviously becoming a member, you know, donating when you can, whether it's, you know, banquets, time, money, whatever the case is, you know, giving back to something like that. Um, but what I really liked what you said was, 
um, supporting, you know, chapters and things, you know, there in Pennsylvania, because that's where you're spending, you know, a majority of your time recreating. Yeah, it's been, um, you're, you're exactly right. It can feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. And like, it, it makes sense when you think about it, when you try to say it out loud, it really doesn't. It would be much better if everybody would just give a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's important to make sure you're doing as much as you can, but at the same time, like, don't feel like it's a competition. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's it. Conservation is not a competition because, yeah, every little bit helps. And, and that was kind of, you know, like with the average conservation, it's like that's kind of where the name comes from because there's way more guys out there and gals out there like you and I who, you know, I mean, up until starting a business, like, you know, we had a regular job and we were, you know, spending as much time as we could outdoors and, and giving back. But, you know, I think like groups like BHA, RMEF, you know, the list goes on and on that those organizations are made up of people like you and I, right? People that, that have nine to fives that, you know, can't spend or, or make a career out of the outdoors. And just every little bit that each person does, it adds up in a hurry, man. And, and it's amazing what, you know, organizations made up of, you know, average people can can do when they put their mind to it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's um slow and steady move forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slow and steady wins the race, absolutely. So Jake, how was it that you personally were introduced to the outdoors? My dad is an outdoor junkie, so <laughs> he is uh spending all his free time outside hunting, fishing, um, trapping, looking for mushrooms, like you name it, it's on his list of activities. And I grew up that way and it was really a reward. It was really fun in hindsight now that I, I'm an adult looking back on it to have that various exposure to so many different, you know, call it disciplines yeah. within hunting and fishing. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of like a fish that's always been in water. Uh, when I went to college is when I really realized it because I understood that I couldn't just go behind the house and hunt the tree stand that's, you know, yeah, a hundred yard walk because that's always been something that's readily available to me as a child, but, you know, as a teenager. And then when I moved away, I kind of realized how important hunting was to me because it wasn't as easy and it took more effort. So, uh, you know, it's been a it's been a balance ever since figuring out like <laughs> how how close can I uh, stay to these wild places and still uh, maintain all the trappings of life, if you will. Yeah. So but, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. So if, if if you grew up, you know, doing a lot of just outdoor recreating, were you like a lot of people that I've spoken to? Like, it, it said it sounds like in college you kind of realized you know, how much you did love it, but did you end up kind of taking a break from it or just being able to do it less in college just kind of because of your circumstances and where you were at? Yeah, I found myself prioritizing things that I was most passionate about. So whitetail hunting has always been my thing. So I made time to get home and hunt whitetails and I started hunting whitetails around where I was enrolled in school because that's where I had, you know, the majority of my free time to the expense of doing other things. Like I wasn't, you know, doing impromptu duck hunts on the weekends because 
I had nothing else else to do. Right. <laughs> Schedule really filled up. So yeah, it was it was a conscious effort to make sure that I was spending the times doing the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's been. You know, I can't run a trap line on the side and like, <laughs> you know, t- take a late morning and hunt turkeys. It's yeah. uh, it's more of an effort to get out there, but still something I love just the same. Yeah. So I want to go back to terrain for a second here. So <clears throat> we kind of alluded to it um, early on in the conversation, but there's obviously there's a lot of different um, options out there. Uh, for water filtration. So what is it that kind of separates rain from everything that's kind of on the market now? Yeah, so I spoke earlier about how we collected a lot of information from everybody around what their pain points were and like what they liked and don't like and, you know, really used all that information to form a unified set of goals for the product. Mm-hmm. And one of them being modularity, because <laughs> there was no real consensus around what people thought was the best way to carry their water. So, you know, some guys like the gravity system, and they had good reasons for thinking that way. A lot of people preferred the pumps because certain areas of the country and certain elevations, there's just not large bodies of water available to scoop big right. bags of water from. You know, you're drawing from a small seep. And then there was, you know, a group of guys that preferred to carry just a bottle, and that was it. And, you know, I, I don't know, that's not me, but I had to take that feedback into consideration and say, okay, what can we do to make sure that this is truly the backcountry hydration solution? Because initially we were focused on just the pump piece. Like, we had decided that a pump was the right way to go, but then given that, lack of consensus we said how can we still build a pump but also accommodate these other you know use cases if you will and we were able to do that as you know check out the product and you can see how it works and how it's modular you know the same cap that goes onto the pump also goes onto the gravity system which goes onto the bag or I'm sorry it goes onto the bottle so depending on what situation you're getting yourself into you know maybe you're just going out to scout for a couple hours before dark but you don't want to carry two bottles of water and i don't know about you but i drink a ton of water yeah (laughs) so uh i sweat like a hog and uh (laughs) it's like it's a it's a real thing for me but you know that that's just one example yeah i think you could use different pieces of equipment depending on what you're doing yeah now it seems like um hunters and, and anglers in particular they're very uh what's the word i'm looking for here they're very loyal to to a degree with the products that they use i mean there's obviously a lot of you know kind of gearheads gear junkies that like to try a lot of different stuff but kind of in the end it kind of boils down to you know what they're most comfortable with what they really like like with a bow for example i mean a lot of guys tend to stick to you know, one manufacturer, the same with rifles, um, you know, they just, there's a certain comfort level. Um, have you found, or what is your opinion on like with the water filtration? Like, do you think that that's one of the things or one of those items that 
guys can kind of take it or leave it in terms of like a brand or um, a method in terms of filtering their water? Or did you find that they were like, you know, I've got to have like a bag or, you know, I'm only going to use the water bottle? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's partly speculation on my part, but some guys will pick something and use it and have that good enough mentality and yeah. if it's good enough for them it should be good enough for everybody else and not really think about how it could be better so um i think that exists out there and you know i, I don't want to diminish the importance of brand loyalty if you have something that you like and works for you by all means continue to use it but um if you're like me and you like to try different stuff until you find the right stuff you know maybe this product is for you um and i have I like to think of it as uh, I'm not the first one to say this, but like buy once, cry once. Yeah. You know, our sticker price is a little higher than what you would get if you just went to Walmart and bought a Sawyer filter. But I think we add long-term value because a lot of reasons. You know, if you want to talk financially, we're selling replacement filters for a lower price point than what you can get a whole Sawyer filter for. So, you know, you can get this system that's more convenient, and you can continue to use it long term as long as you have uh, you know replacement filters because that's one thing I found over the years is you know I use that water filter and I'll clean it up and I'll put it away but sometimes it'll sit there for months and I look at it twice and think what's been going on in there (laughs) (laughs) you know uh, once in a while it'd be nice to swap it out so I made sure that that was a feature that this product had yeah. Um, also, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, keep, keep, keep going with your thought there. Sorry. Oh, um, I kind of lost my train, but um, yeah, it, it's been the kind of thing where I think if people buy this and use it, they can say they like it or not, and we're going to continue to support people going forward and make sure that you know it is what they want it to be, yeah. and it's keeps you safe when you're on your hunt you know that's that's the main thing and it's modular enough to do that we can talk about that too you know all the parts are interchangeable so if you get into a bind you can swap one thing from another and make it work okay yeah that's uh i've had some guests on in the past who 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 really kind of stress the the modularity aspect of their product um, you know, being able to serve multiple purposes means, you know, less gear that you have to carry means a lighter pack, which means you're likely able to, you know, go further and stay longer, uh, when you're out there, it's just kind of one less thing you have to worry about. Um, but I, I certainly, um, subscribe to that buy once cry once mentality. Uh, I feel like I'm at a point in my life and I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, you know, other, you know, hunters and anglers out there that are the same that you get to a certain point in your life and you're tired of just buying, you know, kind of disposable items. You know, you want to buy something that's that's going to last you, you know, 5, 10, 15 until you're done hunting, you know, for the rest of your life type of type of things. And, you know, they understand that, you know, uh, a certain price tag comes with those things. But again, if it's one less thing you have to worry about and, you know, it's not going to fail you out there, you know, it's it's worth the money. Yeah, I agree. So kind of to uh, kind of round things out here, uh, obviously we're kind of right in the middle of turkey season here or it's winding down for, for some of us. What uh, what do you kind of have on st- in store for the rest of the year in terms of hunts? 
I got to go find my slate call that I lost <laughs> on my last time. Uh, my dad and I went out on the first day, and it's kind of a funny story where he, uh, you know, we knew going into it, he wanted to drop back and call if the situation presented itself. So we sat till 10 o'clock in the morning, didn't hear, see any birds. It was super windy. It was a, a rough sit. So we reconvened early in the, or later in the morning and ended up getting on a gobbler and I, you know, put some space between us and he hung back to call. And next thing you know, a different Jake had snuck up off to his left. <laughs> the gobbler that we were calling to went cold on us and a different Jake piqued some interest and he knocked that thing down. So in the excitement of all that, I dropped my slate call and have since not been able to find it. Oh, we were, uh, we were at the, we started out and we hiked to the top of the one ridge here and uh, the gobbler started going off on the back side. So we had went up and then down. Yeah. And I went back to look for it, but I didn't have the time necessary to get the whole way back into where we had actually got this thing. So that's uh, my next pressing issue as far as turkey season goes. I'd like to get back into that spot because I know there's another one there and I'd also like to find my slate call. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anybody in. Uh, Pennsylvania finds a slate call let me know <laughs> yeah no I uh I've never done a lot of turkey hunting but period uh I've been out a few times with with my brother-in-law and just didn't have good experiences and gave it my try I gave it a try on my own uh last week yeah last week and had some success in terms of locating some birds getting some eyes on some birds, you know, and things like that. But I quickly realized I am not a good turkey hunter at all. Um, I, I It was a lot of lessons learned for me uh, out in the field. But at least I got to experience some, you know, some interaction with birds, laid some eyes on some birds. So I think it's going to be something I spend a little bit more time on, you know, in the future. Yeah, it's definitely a fun hunt because you can have that back and forth with the animal, yeah. kind of like falling in an elk or, or, you know, in the rut when you can get a buck to actually get fired up and have that back and forth. But those are few and far between. You know, turkeys, you can, you know, close the distance and it's a, it's a fun hunt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely it, have a, a new appreciation for it, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a constant evolution. So. <laughs> You think you have them figured out, and they just do exactly what they shouldn't. So yeah, yeah, I made the mistake of. I mean, I, I I've always known that that turkey turkeys have exceptional eyesight, uh, and I was in a position where I was probably like a hundred yards out, kind of up on this little ridge, and there was you know a, a kind of a little valley, and then you know up another small ridge, and the birds had just started to come up over this ridge, and there was like I said, probably a hundred yards between us, if not more. And, you know, some pretty thick stuff between us. And I thought I was going to have the ability to kind of shift where I was at um, because I was kind of in the open a little bit more than I wanted to be. And yeah. I just made like a small movement to try to conceal myself a little bit better. And like as soon as I did like those things, they, they had to have picked me off. Right. Because next thing you know, what I thought they were coming in and they just, you know, turned around. And we're like, nope, we're out of here. You know, so yeah. easily, easy lesson learned there. It's incredible what. Sometimes they notice, and then I've had situations where you're in a deer stand, and you think this is the dumbest animal in the woods. Like, how are these <laughs> those? How are these things so difficult to actually get when you're after them? Yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
<clears throat> real quick here before I let you go, Jake, tell um, tell the listeners where they can find Rain Hydro uh, and then uh, about the Kickstarter as well. Yeah, so Kickstarter launches Tuesday. Um, go to rainhydro.com. That's R-A-Y-N-H-Y-D-R-O.com. Um, find us on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, like I said, just... If it's something that you're interested in, please reach out. I'd love to talk about it. And if it's something that you think would be a good addition to your gear list, um, I would really appreciate the support on Kickstarter. So, you know, it's going to be a, an exciting time for me going forward to see exactly what the response is to this thing. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, between the podcast, um, you know, we can kind of help spread the message uh, even more and and hope hopefully get you to uh, get you to your goal with Kickstarter so that way we can get these things in the hands of uh, of you know hunters and anglers out there and and really you know see what this thing's made of. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, well, hey Jake, thanks again for taking some time today, man. I really appreciate it. And that was uh, exciting to hear you know more about rain and and everything that's going on. Yeah, it's been awesome just to be on the podcast. This is. This is cool. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And uh, we'll definitely get you back on in the future and, and hopefully hear all the success stories that uh, that you guys are having. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, another episode in the books there. I uh, would like to thank Jake again for taking some time to tell us more about Rain Hydro. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, uh, Stone Glacier and Go Hunt, as well as Wild Rivers Coffee Co. Uh, be sure and support the brands that support this podcast and help make it possible. I would also like to thank 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to follow 2% on social media where it's going to be only positive conservation-driven posts and, and content in your feed, so you'll enjoy that. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Stay tuned next week. Um, We have some exciting stuff coming. Uh, But remember, stay safe out there, and conservation starts with you. you.